It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. October 22nd, 2019. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, I was going to use what John John Roberts said to say, but I got my own thing. So I'm going to say <laughs> the Eagles got taken behind the woodshed by the Dallas Cowboys Sunday night. The Flyers finally got back on their winning ways last night against Vegas. We waited a while for the Phillies to move on from Gabe Kapler. Now we wait for the name of his replacement. And tomorrow night, the Sixers open against the Celtics and what we all expect will be a huge season. Yeah, never a dull moment, Bill. The moments aren't always great ones around here in the Philly area, you know, but all of the teams have certainly given us plenty to talk about. And I don't know about you, but I'm still in a bit of shock over what went down Sunday night in Dallas. Ugh. Well, uh, let's talk about it. Um, maybe you need some therapy. I have to ask you, Chet, right off the right off the shoot. Everybody has been blamed from Howie Roseman to Peterson to Grow to Schwartz to the players, uh, Lane Johnson, Howard Eskin, Alshon Jeffrey. Everybody's getting blamed. You you a blamer or are you just uh, it's one game and we'll bounce back? I got to put the blame on the coaches. You know, Doug told us last week that they were ready to play, that he was confident they were going to go down and beat Dallas. Well, they did not look like they're ready to play. And, yes, some of that's on the players, of course, but he clearly did not get them ready. He did not do a great job getting them ready. I know it wasn't he who turned the ball over twice in the first five minutes of the game, but still, I mean, they've had that problem all year, you know, starting games off on the right foot, and that was, again, the case this week. Uh it just doesn't look like they're gelling at any point. They haven't played one good game yet this year. I mean, even the three games they won, you know, the one was against the awful Jets, and they still made some mistakes. The other two, they played maybe good halves or a couple of good quarters. But they haven't played a great game yet this season. I'm putting the blame on the coaches. You would probably be surprised that I would disagree with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's the problem, okay? We talked about this. The perfect example of this is the Atlanta game. This was almost a repeat of the Atlanta game. The offensive line got beat up all the way across the board. The receivers are not good enough. They put them in man coverage. They can't get open. The quarterback is basically hung out. He can't throw the ball to anyone who isn't open. He holds the ball too long because no one's open, and the line can't block long enough or good enough to keep him from making plays and running for his life. It's a it's a total offensive situation. Now, because of that, they started two tight ends, which takes a wide receiver obviously out of the game. And now they're they're trying to block extra with less weapons and you don't have any weapons out there to start with. And then when you do throw the ball to Alshon Jeffrey, he drops it. Side is a train wreck when you can't block. You go to Green Bay, you run the football, you own them, and everything's easy. When you can't block up front, that's where it all starts, and the game never never changes from that. 
Yeah, this whole season has been something of a train wreck. I mean, we we thought we had a lot of great weapons. Yeah, the Jackson injury, injury was a killer. We thought we had a great offensive line, but Peters, again, is not staying healthy, and the O-line otherwise is not having a great year. Lane Johnson had a bad game the other night. It's just everything is not working out quite the way we had planned, Bill. We thought we had a real good 11-5 and five or maybe even 12-4 and four team this year. Now they're going to struggle to get to 9 or 10, big time. Well, I think so, and but I think, uh, and we'll get to our picks a little bit later on. But we'll we'll talk about this uh, this upcoming Buffalo Bills game. But I think we also have to talk about the defensive side of the ball, uh, Chet. While we're while we're waiting on our guest, uh, you know, I don't know I, I, this part. I don't understand whether it's the coaches or or Howie Roseman or what is how you expect to play in the National Football League without linebackers. Uh, the only way you stop Dallas is to stop the run. And if Ezekiel can get five yards a carry, um, you're, you're not beating Dallas. If he can run the ball like he did at five, five yards a carry, Dallas is also awful tough to beat. And that's when Dak Prescott can actually be pretty efficient is when they're running the ball. And that's what we saw on Sunday. Well, it's always tough to stop Zeke. And the Eagles have been very good against the run all year, but they just couldn't get it done the other night. I know they didn't have the linebackers they wanted. Uh, and Zeke is very good. But uh, it was just ugly, and I don't want to talk about it. I want to talk basketball, Bill. Well, now's the time, because we've got six or seven full season right on top of us, and we're going to preview the season with longtime Sixer reporter D. Linus. How are you guys? Yes, we are. Hey, D. Hey, D. Welcome back to Philly Press Box Radio. Hope you're well. I am well. Thank you for having me back. You know, Bill and Dee, I checked our show history, and this is the fourth straight year that we've had Dee on with us in mid-October to preview the 76ers season, and it'll be her 12th visit to the show overall the past five years. Always great to get her insight. And, Dee, before we talk basketball, and before I forget, we should congratulate you because you got something in the mail last Friday to confirm a pretty great accomplishment on your part. Absolutely. (laughs) That was on my list. That's so funny. Yes, I finished my master's program, and it was quite fun. Well, congratulations. I know uh, you're a busy lady, and you still managed to do that, so way to go. All right, Dee. As we speak, it's the eve of a 76ers season that has a lot of people pretty excited, a lot of new faces, but they're one of the favorites to win the East. Now, you've been covering and closely watching this franchise for 20-plus years, so what is your sense of this team as we tip off another season? Well, I mean, obviously, it's probably on paper the most talented team in the Brip Brown era. Um, it is built differently than the past couple of years. Um, and obviously, they have some key pieces that we don't know exactly how they'll all fit together. But I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how it works. I really am. Hey, Dee, I heard on the news today that uh, I didn't realize this that the Sixers have the tallest team in the league how, That's how important what they say. is that yeah yeah how, how well, important is that and whether it's an inch here or, or two inches there on a guy well I mean I don't think just if you roll out the tallest that that automatically correlates to something that's positive however I would say with Ben Simmons and Josh Richardson from a perimeter defense standpoint and their ability to get in passing lanes and both of them being defensive-minded guys, that can be a huge advantage. Obviously, you know that Embiid, as a rim protector, great advantage. When you have Tobias and Al Horford, both of those guys are playing positions that they have played in the past, but not what they played last year and spent most of their time. So, like, Al's going to have to chase stretch fours. Tobias will be guarding maybe some quicker threes as opposed to guarding fours a year ago. So those two kind of throw a little wrinkle into it. But I understand why people get excited about their length. Well, do you mention Joel Embiid? He dropped 20 pounds or whatever over the summer, looked real good in the preseason, assuming good health, as we always throw in when we talk about him. What do you expect from Joel this season? And what about that whole load load management thing with him? Yeah, so the load management, I mean, it's a – It's a fancy phrase for, you know, we're just going to try to keep him from getting hurt by trying to not have him play back-to-back situations. And obviously they got burned last year 
because he missed the key 14 games and wasn't himself the 14 games coming after the all-star break and not him not being himself in the playoffs. So load management probably had a lot to do with trying to go after an Al Horford because he can back him up at, at the five position. Um, and I think that Joel having gone through what he went through last year and seeing that he wasn't himself is more on board maybe than years previous where all he cared about was, you know, I want to be on the court. I've proven that I'm healthy, you know, and he maybe had a little bit of a reckless abandon to him. So I'll be interested to see, you know, he has lost weight, but he was overweight when he started to lose the weight because he had gained weight. You know what I mean? So he, I think he does look good, but he looks like the Joel that started before he got hurt last year. D, we had Ty Johnson on with us last week and we talked some Sixers and, uh, I asked him, so, and I'm going to ask you the same thing. Um, Tobias Harris seems to me to be a little bit under the radar with this team, with all the people they have surrounded him, and he's a great player in his own right. What, what can we expect from Harris? I guess he was the survivor and Butler was the one that, that left. Can we expect great things from Tobias Harris? Well, it'll be interesting. So one of the things that you are missing is the ability of J.J. Reddick to stretch the floor and knock down, you know, an automatic knockdown, come off a screen three-point shooter. Um, and the other part, you know, Jimmy Butler is pretty much never saw a moment that was too big for him, correct? Yeah. So I would say that um, one of my questions to Horford today was, one, you know, how much of your offense are you guys counting on generating from your defense? And two, the, the offense that doesn't come from that, how comfortable are you guys that you can get good shots in a half court because they don't have a knockdown shooter? So I, the answer is they are hoping to get a lot of offense off their defense because of their speed and their length. And we know they've always liked to push the pace. But um, he said it is going to be challenging, and he mentioned Tobias and Josh Richardson but also that they must find them and they must be in spots where they like shots that they will get provided they execute properly. And he said the key word is execution in the half court. So I think that's probably going to be their greatest challenge. And to tie it back to Tobias, you know, Tobias shot a very high three-point percentage with the Clippers um, before he came here. And that was, you know, through 50 games, it was 42 plus. And then he dipped to 32 um, here with the Sixers and didn't shoot the three ball well in the playoffs. So part of it he thought was like how he gets, got his threes last year. And I'm imagining that how he likes getting them or what he did in L.A. He's looked at on video and shared that. And so I think we'll see. But I wouldn't say that he's going to step into the shoes and be a Jimmy Butler, to be honest with you. I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised with Jimmy Butler. I mean, uh, Josh Richardson filling Jimmy Butler's shoes. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm hoping Tobias does elevate his game now that he got the big contract. We'll see. And, D, speaking of shooting, we, of course, have to talk about Ben Simmons and the jump shot. I know Ben Brown kind of, or Brett Brown kind of downplayed it. Uh, how important is it that Simmons make that at least a part of his game, and how much should we expect to see a mid-range jumper from Simmons? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important that when he's open, he's got to pull up for it. That's the most important part of it uh, in the flow of offense. You know, going and getting it, I don't think that's necessary. But if people are going to challenge you to shoot something, then you have to do it. Uh, me personally, I thought his foul shooting percentage and being able to know that if you get fouled, you can go to the line and be, you know, a low 70s you know, 72, 73% foul shooter. To me, that's really important because gone are, you know, the possibility of having Jimmy Butler take the ball in his hands in the fourth quarter in a tight game and, you know, knowing that he can go to the line and make shots, that's going to be Ben this year. So, I mean, as much as everybody wants that jump shot, I think he has to take the open jumper, um, but I think he has to, has to be able to make free throws. Hey, D, today the, the team released their final roster. Um, 
17 total players on that roster, two with two-way deals, um, eight newcomers and nine returners. And I, I guess I've yeah. never followed it close enough in the past to realize, is that a good mix? Is basically a 50 split that mm-hmm. you, you let half go and you got half back? Is that is that pretty normal? Uh, it's more normal than you think in this day and age with uh, free agency, money, you know, some of the guys who come to be low-cap guys when you're spending money on big cap, you know, the high Al Horford. Josh came at a nice price because he's still on a rookie contract. Um, but, yeah, I, I, 50-50, I don't know, maybe it's more like 60-40, but I think there is more turnover than there once was. Hey, do you mention Josh Richardson and that you liked him? You think people will be pleasantly surprised. What do you like about Richardson and what does he bring to the team? Well, he's defensive-minded. I love that. He's improved every year he's been in the league in terms of shooting percentage, um, points that he averages. He's a very calm, poised guy, um, and I think he he accepts challenge. And he's he, he's not a big talker. He, he Ben kind of <laughs> they kind of complement each other because they're. I mean, they're. He's a very very nice guy and seems to come from good family. His parents are great people, um, but, you know, not, not a flashy guy, right? Not like if Jimmy kind of always kept you on the edge of your seat, that's not what Josh will do. But uh, I think for his age, he's always improving. And he, to me, I like guys who are two-way guys, which means they're in, invested and interested at the defense event. Mm-hmm. I like him. Hey, uh, Dee, I wanted to ask you, uh, during, during the preseason, it seems like uh, – the rookie, Matisse Thibault, got a lot of floor time. Um, where do you see him fitting in? And, and was he getting was he getting time just for experience, or do they do they feel like they got a real solid player in that draft, and he's that guy? Well, he's definitely going to be part of their rotation. I, I think he basically it was going into training camp, a battle between him and Zaire Smith. They needed one of those guys, hopefully to um, be able to be at least in the top eight. And I think pretty quickly Matisse became that guy. Now, I know the last preseason game, Zaire came in in the fourth. He had 12 points. He looked athletic. He had a nice block. But from a basketball standpoint, playing uh, a perimeter position and being able to shoot. I know people question his shot and they question his defense because, one, he didn't shoot a ton last year on a very good Washington team. And two, they played a lot of zone. Well, he quickly showed you that he absolutely knows what he's doing defensively. He will get in passing lanes. But the great thing that you'll like about him is when he gambles and misses, he is very, very quick on recovery. So he never gives up on a play. And so a lot of times you'll get exposed if you're going for steals like he does. But he's quick in terms of recovery. And I think you'll see that right from the get-go. I think he's one of your top eight. Uh, I think he's earned it. And I hope that, you know, rookies, you can start out. At some point, he might have a lull. And I think that's to be expected because I think all rookies do. The season is long. Um, you, you realize the physicality of it over time. And you can be told that. And you can try to do everything to, you know, prevent that rookie wall. But I think at some point you do hit something. Some don't hit it as hard, but I just, you know, say to people, as much as you love him and he's going to be a great contributor, let him, you know, just remember he is a rookie in this league. Yeah, I like what I've seen of Thibel. I hope he does get a lot of playing time and that he is a great contributor. Uh, who else is in the rotation? They have Mike Scott back. James Ennis is back. They acquired Kyle O'Quinn. Then you have, you know, the other guys, uh, Trey Burke, Shake Milton, uh, Neto, who yep. are the key eight or nine guys, the top three or four off the bench? I mean, obviously Mike Scott definitely be uh, – him or Seibel will be the first off the bench, depending on what you're looking for in the given moment. Uh, James Ennis, I, you know, he was a little hurt in preseason, but obviously he's a veteran guy and has been there, so I expect that he will be uh, a guy who comes off the bench for them as well. The Kylo Quinn is an interesting one because – I thought he played very well in the preseason. What I'll be interested is, do they slide Horford over to the five when Embiid goes to the bench, or do you give it a chance probably on a given matchup 
with Kyle O'Quinn. And the reason I say that, as much as you want to have load management with Joel Embiid, you know, Horford's getting up there, you know, in his mid-30s. So you probably want to keep his minutes in check just to keep him fresh also for the long run in the spring. So as And you can play him at the five. That's not what I'm – I'm not saying don't play him at all. I'm just saying I thought Kyle O'Quinn did a nice job. You have him as a backup for a reason. And quite frankly, on given nights, if you need an athletic rim protector, Nor- Norvell Pell, I've told people this, having seen him in the G League for two years, there's a reason he was a defensive player of the year down there last year. He is absolutely an NBA shot-blocking talent. Yeah. Well, D, I always worry when you have a team that, you know, I, I guess we're talking about the Eagles too on this. Uh, when you have a team like this that looks like they got a chance to, to really make a run, uh, I always worry about the leadership. And Embiid is still young, uh, even though he's been around a few years. So is Simmons. Does this team have the leadership with the Al Horford with his 12 years and Tobias Harris with eight years to win an Eastern Conference championship? Because it's not always going to be smooth. There's going to be bumps in this road. And uh, right. do they well, have what it takes up- to overcome that? I think you brought up that Al Horford is tremendous, and he's not a force-it-down-your-throat guy. But the, the, the other key, and I, in the early going now, it may, I hope when adversity hits, it doesn't go to the wayside. But in the early going of this year, there is a change in Ben's demeanor, and I don't know if that's because he grew up and, and he knew that with the departure of Jimmy Butler that what he needed and what he wanted, being the point guard for 48 minutes, you know, is now his role. And that's not to say he never goes to the bench, but you know what I'm saying. Giving it up to Jimmy in, in the crunch is no longer going to happen. So I, I think you you have to depend on him to be somewhat of a leader there. Horford, for sure. And then after that, you know, you're right. It's a young group. And one of the things that Elton said the other day was that he, he wanted character guys because he thought as a group together, they would stay together in tough times. And I kind of understand what he's saying. You know, you're, you're kind of banking on uh, judging the character because at the end of the day, there's still a lot of new faces there. But I hope for him that it does work out that way. Well, Dee, as Bill mentioned, we had your colleague from 97.5, Tyrone Johnson, on with us last week, and he made his win proje- uh, projection 59 wins. Now, Bill and I are going to make our predictions a little later in the show, but are you ready to give us your fearless forecast, Dee? Yeah, sure. I said 55, and I'll stick with my 55. 55. 55. Hmm, interesting. Hey, hey D, yeah. I have one, one final question for you. Um Sure. Again, we're talking about making it making a deep run, we hope. Um, i got to come back to Brett Brown, and I, I know you've kind of been a Brett Brown fan seeing this thing through. Um, do you see that he's got what it takes to, to take this team to the finals or win the finals? Well, I mean, I do. I like him, uh, definitely have enjoyed him as a coach, and I especially like his uh, people skills. And I think he's kept the group together for a long time. Uh, and they've all been different groups with different levels of talent. So, but I'm not going to, you know, um, I absolutely agree with you that he needs to get to the Eastern Conference Finals for sure. Uh, and then depending on who you're playing, if, you know, you don't come out of that, I don't think that is the end of his world necessarily. Uh, does he have what it takes? I think. I mean, you know, there, there, again, there's some challenging parts to putting a new roster together that has one thing that everybody loves, and that's their length and defensive-minded people. And we do say often defense wins championships, but, you, you know, you're going to be in a half-court set in the postseason more than you will in the regular season. So I think we won't really be able to judge him and his schematics until you get to the postseason when it slows down a bit. So that I think that's basically – and we won't know who Ben really is until then either because how you can play in the regular season, we've all seen it. You saw it against Toronto last year. It just becomes a different game. There's fewer possessions. People are – you know, the level of talent that's playing against you is so much higher, and it makes it that much more difficult. And so really you're going to have to wait till the spring to have an answer to that. You think the Sixers 
can take care of the Bucks. Uh, can they win the East, or do you think it's going to be the Bucks? Do you have a prediction there? Uh, you know what? I, I really would like to see both those teams play a little bit, only because they've changed their, you know, the Sixers roster has tra- changed dr- drastically in terms of the, you know, the, so much of what they've done is facing that had a lot to do with J.J.'s shooting. And so I don't think they're going to shoot as many threes. And I just think when you're changing your style of play, it's harder for me to say, you know. I mean, I think it, it, that they are the top two in this conference for sure. And the other part of with Milwaukee is they lost Brogdon. They, too, had to add new faces. And I can't picture totally what that will look like. But I do know Budenhauser is a very, very good coach. So, and, you know, Giannis, is, I mean, he, we'll see how he comes back because I, I saw a really cool documentary of him after they lost in the playoffs. And this guy was flat out motivated to, you know, he felt like he had let his mid-range game go to the wayside. And then when he needed in the playoffs, he had let it go for a full year and didn't know how to go and get, you know, a 12-footer when you had to. So I'll be interested in seeing Giannis's game this year because it's also a little bit of pressure when you're the MVP. So we'll see. Uh, I would say if you asked me in, you know, end of November, a month into the season, I would have a, a definite answer for you. Sounds good. All right. All right, AD, uh, you're busier than ever. So before we wrap this up, can you give us a rundown and let everyone know how they can follow you and everything you got going on with the Sixers and all the other <laughs> things you do as well? Sure. Um, so I'm still at D-Lineum CSN, both on Twitter and Instagram. I kept my uh, Comcast roots because I could. <laughs> and um, I am getting good work at 97.5 The Fanatic. I'll be on there tomorrow afternoon with uh, Anthony and Jason Martinez in the midday show just to talk some hoops uh, from 12 to 2. And I'm, oh, I'm on there again, but the shift changes because of games that are on their air. So, right. And then I'm uh, still going to do the Sixers uh, G League, the Blue Coats games, going to do Princeton women's games. And I'm <laughs> trying to educate that next generation at uh, Rosemont and Chestnut Hill College. How, ma- how many Busy days lady. are in your week, by the way? <laughs> I'm sorry? How many days are in your week, by the way? <laughs> Same as you yours. You just up about eight yours. or nine of them, I think, right there. <laughs> I keep a good calendar. Yeah, I bet you do. Well, Dee, thanks again for joining us. Uh, it's always great, and let's uh, let's do it another time. Absolutely. Thank you, gentlemen. I always appreciate it. All Thank right. you, Dee. See ya. Take care. Let's take a break to talk about the Irish Rovers Station House in Langhorn, PA. I try to get over there at least once a month. Can you blame me? The Irish Rover has a great variety of food and drink with all sorts of specials, like the Chef's Killer Burger Thursdays and always 24 beers on tap. Always something fun going on at the Irish Rover, too. There's trivia every Wednesday, a DJ every Friday night, and live music every Saturday night. This weekend, it's the band STEM Live. And mark your calendar for the Irish Rover's Halloween Bash on Saturday, November 2nd. Watch the Eagles, Flyers, and Sixers on the Rovers' many TVs. The Irish Rover is on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn, and find them on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. Hi, football fans. This is Merrill Reese, and you're listening to Bill and Chet on Philly Press Box Radio. It's good! Yes, it is, Chet, and so were the Flyers last night as they bounced back with a nice win. Uh, They actually scored some goals. Brian Elliott played well again in the net. A little behind in the standings because they played a lot less games because of that Prague and Western Canada trip, so it's a little misleading there, but uh, they sure needed a big win last night, and they got it, scoring a lot of goals. Yeah, most teams have already played nine or ten games. The Flyers just seven, and they are now three, three, and one. They really needed that win over Vegas after the four straight losses, including the one shootout loss. And as you said, it was nice to see them fill the net. Six goals in the win over the Knights. I saw bits and pieces of the game. Brian Elliott did look good. He made some great saves. And uh, you pointed out that Joel Farabee was called up yesterday. Did you get to see much of him? How did he do in his debut? Yeah, he did good. Uh, he he got in there, mixed it up. Uh, 
you know, he's a local guy and uh, some good interviews. His parents were there. He's a Philly guy through and through. Chase Utley's his favorite player in the Philadelphia area. So that was cool. Uh, good to have Farabee up. I think he's going to be here for a while. And uh, it was good to see those six goals and none of them coming from the from the first line, uh, which yep. still needs to get, get going. But, uh, Chad, I think the interesting thing is there seems to be a little struggle with Carter Hart. Uh, I don't know you can blame him a whole lot, although it seems like he is struggling because they're not scoring goals when he's in there. Yeah, and I said that when we did our little preview a couple of weeks back, that he's going to have his moments of struggle. He is only 20, I guess, what, 20 or 21 now? I forget. He's still a kid. Let's put it that way. And uh, he's going to have his ups and downs, but I do like what I see of him. I think he's going to be just fine. Um, you know, maybe cut back a little bit on the, the playing time. Maybe, I don't know if they announced anything, maybe just go 50-50 for a while instead of having Hart in, you know, 70% of the games. Uh, I'm not too worried about him. He'll be just fine. Uh, I'm, I'm more for uh, 75%. Hart gets three. Elliot gets one. Uh, if Hart really goes south, then you can change that. But if Elliot's going to be sharp when he gets in, that's good. Hart is only going to get better the more he plays. Um, they need to play. Yeah, they need to score goals. I mean, at the end of the day, they got to score goals, and that front line is uh, is struggling a little bit to do that. It looks like Nolan Patrick is still out. Um, I don't know. I, I know only a little bit about migraines, Chet, but I didn't know that migraines would actually put you on the injured list for weeks at a time. Obviously, it's something serious. Yeah, I guess if it's bad enough and, you know, you, you can't stand just the light and everything that goes with migraines, it's tough. So uh, hopefully they have their you know, best medical people working on it and get him back. And, you know, Bill, the Flyers' two best games this year were both at the Wells Fargo Center. Uh, they also played well in Prague, but the, the West Coast trip did not go so well, and now four of the next five games are on the road. So they're going to have to pick it up a little bit and, you know, go into these opposing stadiums and uh, – Give it their all, and hopefully, you know, come up, come away with a few points over the next five games. Four of them on the road. Yeah, absolutely. The schedule is not has not been favorable for them, and uh, I think if they can get through the first segment of games here, um, you know, and, and they got to stay in the hunt. They can't they can't fall too far behind because it's tough to get those points back. So uh, they get through this first tough road segment, um, and they'll be okay. Go Flyers. All right. Hey, Chet, did you know that 56% of Americans have no idea how much they'll need to retire? That sounds like you. You need to talk to Dave Lavoie from Allstate in Westchester, PA. Yeah, the same person you count on to help protect you can also help you set a reasonable retirement goal and then show you the right financial solutions to help get you there. A good plan and a good life starts with someone you trust. Call Allstate agent Dave Lavoie in Westchester, PA, 610-430-0700, and start planning for your retirement today. Again, the number is 610-430-0700. And, Bill, forgive me, but before we talk Phillies, I'm giving you 12 seconds of a guy celebrating birthday number 60 on Wednesday, Weird Al. Only in America, Jet. That's that's what's great to be in America, right there. He's made quite a career for himself out of all that stuff. (laughs) Yes, he has. As I said, only in America can you pull that off. Hey, Jet, as mentioned in the opening, the Phillies took a bit longer to cut loose Gabe Kapler. Now it seems to be moving slow to replace him. Joe Madden's off the table as expected. So who's it going to be, Dusty Baker, Joe Girardi, or Buck Showalter? Or none? Well, there were several reports on Monday and today that Joe Girardi is the top choice, although I heard another report that there were differing opinions among the Phil's brain trust, that, that report saying that while majority owner John Middleton does prefer Girardi, GM Matt Clintock was lobbying for Buck Showalter. I have no idea if there's validity to that or not. I'm on the record as saying I prefer Girardi among the three names that we've heard most often, Girardi, Showalter, and Dusty Baker. He's a bit younger than the other two guys. He's won a World Series, as we all know, 10 years ago against those Phillies. Uh, I just have a a better feeling about him. So Girardi's my choice, and they're said to be close. What do you think? Well, I heard something last night, or I read something last night, that I 
Don't know that it's true or not, but I heard that Buck Showalter is not a fan of Bryce Harper. Um, That's not, that's not the place to be if you're coming to this organization. So I don't know if that's true, uh, but if it is, Showalter is really not a player. Wow. That's interesting. I don't know why you wouldn't be a fan of his, but uh, I think Bryce is going to be sticking around for a while. So (laughs) he he (laughs) is, he is. They have to eliminate Buck. I'm really surprised in the uh, in the Girardi deal, you know, with his his New York ties. I would have thought that the Mets would have been all over him, Um, but you know, at least I haven't seen a whole lot of discussion coming from these other teams in in all the different things I try to read to keep up on. Um, The other teams seem to be moving as slowly as the Phillies are. Yeah, I think both the Mets and the Cubs were supposed to talk to him. I don't know if they did. I think the Mets at least did. But the Mets were looking at some other guys, some other younger, uh, lesser-known guys than Girardi for whatever reason. So that's fine. I'd be happy to take him. But, uh, yeah, we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, I also heard that if it happens, it could happen on Thursday, which would be you know the off day between games two and three of the World Series. So maybe we'll get an announcement on Thursday. Yeah, well, and the other thing I was going to ask you about is Dusty Baker. Uh, You know, I assume he's still in the hunt. It sounds like he is uh, with two interviews. But is a 70-year-old, and we're getting closer to 70, Chet, so I'm not going to say an old guy, but is a 70-year-old able to come in and uh, and be the guy nowadays as much as the game has seemed to change? Uh, You know, I hate to be an age critic but it sounds a little too old for me i know it worked for jack mckeon down in florida years ago but i would just prefer somebody with a little bit of youth on his side so i mean maybe the the whole kapler thing turned a lot of people off to that i don't know but yeah i'd rather avoid the the 70 year old and i apologize all my 70 year old friends out there well i mean i i think the difference is and and i guess you can't really I don't want to make it sound bad against Girardi or Showalter, but uh, Dusty's going to be a gut guy. You know, he's going to be more of a Charlie Manuel gut guy than he's going to be, I think, looking at charts and doing all this other crazy stuff um, that they do now. And and I don't know that that's a bad thing, but I just wonder, is it worth bringing a guy in at 70 who you signed him to a three- or five-year deal? Now he's 75. Um, is that really where you want to, how you want to build your, your franchise? I vote no, so uh, I'm hoping that doesn't happen. I, I, I'm sticking with my plan. Get Girardi, get him signed, make the announcement Thursday, and move on and hope for the best. Gotcha. Hey, we talked about the Eagles and the whipping they took in Dallas on Sunday night. Um, I asked you if you're you're on or off. Are, are you thinking that this team is – are they done? You think they're done? They're three and four. They're one game out. I mean, the record-wise probably overshadows – what we see with our eyes a little bit, but uh, how do you feel that they're, they're still alive or are they done? It's somewhat reminiscent of last season. Remember they had a a lot of these same problems last year. They had a bunch of injuries, a lot of slow starts to games up and down performances by the quarterback. And they were struggling to get over the 500 mark that 48, seven drubbing down in new Orleans, put them at four and six. You'll remember And we all pretty much counted them out at that point. But then they somehow won five of their last six to finish nine and seven. They snuck into the playoffs as a wild card team, even won a postseason game. But to answer your question, I'm not sensing that happening this year. As I alluded to at the top, you know, Doug Peterson said they were close to getting it going properly. It sure doesn't look that way. That was before the Dallas game. Did they look like they had it close in the Dallas game? No. And he also said after that game that these issues were all fixable. Well, you better get moving on those fixes. I'm just not seeing evidence of it yet. And neither are the other people who watch this game. You probably saw or heard Ray Dinger's take on the Eagles from Sunday night's postgame show on NBC Sports Philly. Uh, I kind of edited some of his things together, and this is just a quick little snippet of Ray after the game the other night. I said before the game, tonight the Eagles are going to show us what they are. With the game, knowing what it is against the Cowboys, this is important. Coming off a bad loss, this is a game that they're going to come out and they're going to show you what they are. I'm afraid they showed us what they are. And what worries me is I I wonder about the message this sends about what what remains of this season. I don't know if this is rock bottom, but if it's not, I'd hate to see what rock bottom looks like. The great Ray Dinger. 
Well, and, and you know, Chad, I I don't know that I fully agree with that. I I think, you know, the the game took a turn of events. The Eagles took the ball on, you know, the the receive on the kick, which is a little bit unusual these days because they wanted to take the ball, drive down the field with their offense and get points because they haven't been able to do that. Dallas Goddard fumbles the football. Yeah. Um, you know, you turn around and you and you have another turnover. Now you're down 14 nothing. Your game plan basically goes in the trash. Um, and as we know, in the National Football League, coming back from 14 points, even with just three or four minutes gone in the game, is a difficult task. And I think I find it interesting that if you look at the stats of this game, uh, whoa, you there? I'm here. Are you there? Yeah, what is that? I didn't hear anything. Everything's fine on this end. I don't know what happened. Somebody started talking <laughs> in my ears. Anyway, what I was going to say is if you look at the final stats of that game, you know, everybody's on the Eagles about they don't run the ball, they don't run the ball. They ran the ball 28 times, they threw the ball 26 times. Um, maybe to a fault because Peterson is now being criticized for third and four. He ran the ball, didn't make it. When he needed a first down, he ran the ball. Uh, just a very interesting, um, the way that all turned out. It looked to me like he didn't panic and start throwing every down like we've seen sometimes in the past where he ended up throwing 50 times, uh, probably because he couldn't get anybody open and he thought his best chance was to try to run the ball. Uh, I, I thought that all played out really, really interesting. And that's a big problem for me, the whole thing with the wide receivers. Yeah, they're not getting open, and I don't know if that's their fault or if it's the plays that are being called or, you know, the, the line not giving Wentz enough time. But, I mean, they had, what, four catches by wide receivers the other night, two by Aguilar, two by Alshon Jeffrey. It's just disgusting and pitiful the way they've performed this year. We talked back in the preseason about all these weapons that they had. Well, these weapons need to be reloaded because they're just not getting it done for whatever reason. Well, and I, I think uh, you, you can't blame the injuries, but Deshaun Jackson and Darren Sproles were two of those weapons, and we haven't seen them for a while. Yeah, the, the Jackson thing is a killer. I mean, that that was – I mean, look what he did the first game. If he's in there, they have somebody who's a threat. It takes – uh, some pressure off the other guys, you know, Zach Ertz, who's getting double teamed, uh, opens it up for Jeffrey Moore. So they really miss Deshaun Jackson, and I hope he comes back. If not this week, then certainly for the, the following three games. Yeah, and when you have to play two tight ends because you have to help block because Ertz can't block, uh, that, that that's not a, it's not a good setup to move the ball down the field because your wide receivers are limited to begin with. you got Aguilar and, and – uh, and Jeffrey, speak before we jump because we got to jump or run out of time. Uh, what did you think about the Aguilar play? Um, he is getting just crucified. He is, and he tried to explain it that uh, today. He basically said he kind of admitted that he didn't pick it up right away, and without saying that he should have gone all out for it more, he was kind of alluding to the fact that he just didn't really pick up on the location of the ball right away. But the short arming of, you know, the attempt to catch it looked really, really bad. And it's no wonder he's getting killed. And, you know, Doug defended him, but I don't know how. I think Doug's kind of lying through his teeth on that one. Well, and I thought when it first happened, the first angle they showed, I just thought he overthrew him. And then the more angles they showed, thought, man, he, he took the wrong angle to the ball. And they didn't look like he gave up you know, a second yeah. too early. Lay it out. Lay it out. Make yeah. a play, son. I mean, he was like two feet away from it. Yeah, go for it, man. If you miss it, you miss it, but lay it out there. Let's move All on. All right, more to come. Hey, Chet, let's give a shout-out to the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people could take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autograph memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC118 Raz Room. That's right. PPCC118 
Raz Room on Facebook. Well, Chet, you know what that music means. It's bread and butter fantasy football time with our guru, Fred Hugo, back to break down week eight already of the season. Fred, welcome back. What's up, guys? How are you? Hey, Freddie. Recovering from the woodshed beating. Uh, I'm so <laughs> depressed. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't oh, over. Man. We're one game out. It's not. We got to calm down yeah. and get back on the horse. That's Only right. one game That's out. Right. You're right. All right, Fred, give us the fantasy football rundown, and then we'll get to our picks. All right, sounds good. Week eight or week seven going into week eight. Week seven was filled with injuries, so we got a lot of options here. Uh, first off, if you saw Mahomes go down, if you were smart enough, you if you had him, you would grab some guys off the waiver wire before week seven started, so or before yeah before the week started, so you'd be prepared for next week. But this week going on. Um, we got Teddy Bridgewater has a great, if he plays, will have a great matchup against a, a bad Cardinals defense. Ryan Tannehill is is now number one um, in Tennessee. He'll be matched up against the Buccaneers. Kirk Cousins uh, will be facing off against the Redskins. If you can get him, I expect him tomorrow night to have a great game, and he's on most waiver wires as well. And then Jimmy Garoppolo, who who's been very average this year, this the Forty ers just acquired Emmanuel Sanders, so. That should give him a receiver to get the ball to. He may be someone you want to grab and stash at the quarterback spot. Uh, moving over to running back, uh, the, the Steelers are coming off a bye against Miami. You, you probably want to start James Conner or pick up Benny Snell, who's been getting 50% of the snaps. Conner also has – he's rated as questionable, so that if Snell might get most of the carries. Um, David Johnson is injured in Arizona. Chase Edmonds is a guy you can pick up as well as they just signed or worked out. I'm not sure if they signed him, Alfred Morris, so he's someone you want to monitor as well. And Kerryon Johnson of the Detroit Lions is was put on injured reserve. You should go pick up Ty Johnson and start him as well. They got a great matchup against the Giants this week. Um, oh, also Mark Walton on the Miami Dolphins. He he did all right, but he, he's a number one back, so if you're in a desperate spot, he's a guy to take a, take a stab at. Wide receiver. Juju Smith-Schuster hasn't been doing what he did last year, partially because the quarterback carousel they've been on. But Mason Rudolph is back, so he's a guy you should. I would definitely start this week. Kenny Galladay as well on Detroit. And then Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf have a great matchup as well. And then with that, Emmanuel Sanders trade means more targets for Cortland Sutton as well as Deshaun Hamilton over in Denver. So, Sutton's probably on a roster, but Hamilton's definitely someone you can pick up, as well as Kenny Stills over in Houston with the injury to Wolf Fuller. He'll be the speed guy over there. Um, down to the uh, tight end spot, Hunter Henry has a great matchup against the Chicago Bears, who who have a good defense, but they're actually ranked like 20, low, 22nd, I think, against the tight end. And then tight ends you could pick up, uh, Vance McDonald. He, also, he has Mason Rudolph back. And Jonu Smith is um, uh, the tight end for the geez, the Tennessee Titans. So Delaney Walker is not having a great year, but he's also probably going to be out this week. And Tampa is ranked 31st against the tight end, so he's a guy you can pick up there. And then as far as defenses go, like I always say, find out who the Miami Dolphins are playing, pick pick that. And this week, that's the Steelers. And then also the Vikings against the Redskins, the Jags against the Jets, Colts against Denver as well as the Lions against the Giants. So a lot of defenses there that are typically not available for a week like this to stream that are on most waiver wires. So that that's all I got for fantasy this week. All, all right. right. Okay, Chet, time for our NFC East picks. Um, how did last week go, and uh, how are we doing in the standings? I don't want to talk about it, Bill. Actually, you and I both had horrible weeks, thanks in part to our pick of Detroit over Minnesota. That didn't quite work out. We were both one and three, while Fred was two and two, and with that, Fred has opened up a two-game lead. He's now sixteen and nine, oh. while both you and I, Bill, are fourteen and eleven, two games back. That is pitiful. Good luck, Fred. <laughs> we're coming after you. Here we go. Let's go. Week eight. Let's start out. We got Thursday night football. Redskins at the Vikings. Vikings minus sixteen. The Giants are at the Lions. The Lions minus seven. I threw in the wild card game, the Packers at the Chiefs, Packers minus four and a half. 
The Eagles travel to Buffalo. The Bills are minus one and a half. And I will tell you, in the wild card, you know, I was looking for that wild card game to throw in there. And if you look down this week's list of games, there aren't any good games. There's no real close point spreads this week in this in this league. Yeah, a lot of games I agree. are. I agree. A lot of people are going to have the same picks in the full pick'em leagues because there's a lot of you know semi-heavy favorites. So except for maybe the Eagles, Buffalo, and the one you pick, Green Bay, Kansas City. Right. Well, Fred, Redskins, Vikings, Vikings minus 16. I guess that's kind of an obvious one, but let's get it going. Yeah, I'm, I won't hold up the time. Def, definitely Vikings. Vikings there. <laughs> no doubt about it. Vikings win that one. Kirk Cousins making a believer out of some people. Yeah, they're playing good ball. Got to go with the Vikings. Giants at the Lions. Lions minus seven. The Giants, oh, they stinking. Yeah, how do they lose that game? But anyway, yeah, the Lions, they do got injuries a little bit, but I, I just don't see how the Giants are going to win there with their defense. So, um, and Daniel Jones keeps throwing interceptions, so I'm definitely on Lions there. I'm sticking with the Lions. They're going to win one for me uh, this week. I feel it. Go Detroit. Yeah, I'm going Lions also. Giants offensive line is horrendous, by the way. Wild card game. Packers at the Chiefs. Packers minus four and a half. Initially, I looked at that and I was like, ah, oh, Packers. Mahomes is out. Rodgers, you know, that's what I'm going with. But we saw a time and time with here where Andy Reid seems to, with the backup quarterback, be able to simplify the offense and, and compete and, and win games. And he also had them extra days to prepare with playing on Thursday night. So, And I don't see the Chiefs losing another home game. They've already lost two. For some reason, I'm going to go with my gut, and I'm going to go Chiefs. Wow. I thought about doing that, but, Fred, I just don't have the guts. I'm going with the favorite. I'm going to stick with the pack on this one. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the pack, too. And I very rarely go against those Andy Reid teams at home. But um, losing Patrick Mahomes is a big deal. I'm going to go Packers. Eagles, Bills. Bills minus one and a half. The Bills are have only lost one football game, boys. Yeah, I actually decided to not do the red zone last week, and I watched the full, just about the full. I flipped around a little Dolphins-Bills game, and that offense, it kind of looks kind of bland. They run a lot of almost quarterback running plays, almost like a it, – it almost looked like a – it's not a wildcat, but it, it was like weird. So I, I, they don't look as they didn't look good visibly against the Dolphins as their their record shows. They have, have a solid defense, but again, they were going against Miami. Um, Eagles backs are against the wall. They're a couple drop passes away from being five and two. To be honest, you know, you could even make the six and one case. So I'm going to take the Eagles here. Uh, three in a row. All three of these road games losing. I I just I just got a hunch that they would at least go one and two. So I'm I'm going to take the Eagles. All right. I really wanted to take the Eagles. I just can't in good conscience do it. Um, Buffalo's playing reasonably well. They got the great defense. The Eagles can't seem to get it going offensively. I just have to go with my head on this one. I'm taking Buffalo 31-13. 31-13? I hope wow. I'm wrong. Hope I'm wrong. Well, 31? Wow. I'm going to tell you that I have said this for many times over the years that we've done this show about playing with heart, sucking it up, and bouncing back. And not only are the Eagles going to win this game, I'm going to guarantee you (laughs) the Eagles are going to win this game. Oh, my. This is a gut check game for the Eagles, and they will come out and they will play well. And – I would say that no matter who they were playing, except for maybe Tom Brady. But Eagles are going to win, no doubt about it. I don't have points on it. I, don't, I didn't put a score to it. Eagles are going to win. So I'm actually hoping that I hoping that I fall further back in the standings because I'm, I'm, of course, rooting for the Eagles, but it's going to kill me in the standings. But, oh, well. Bill, what, what's what's your uh, – not that you know your record, but typically when you do a guarantee game, how does it go, typically? I don't, I don't think I've ever guaranteed a game. <laughs> First one, all right. I think it is. I think it is, but I feel like, I, I, you know, there's nothing worse in the world than being called a quitter. And this team is being called quitters by everybody that uh, that follows the Eagles. And so, uh, you know what? That's when you man up. All right. Hey, Fred, since uh, 
since we're such expert experts at picking, let's come up with our sixer season predictions. This is going to be interesting. Uh, Chet, you're first up on this one. Well, as uh, Fred Mayerman out of heard, Tyrone last week said 59 wins for the Sixers. D-line him tonight, went with 55. I've been ruined by what happened with the Eagles and the Phillies this season, so I'm going to be conservative. My official prediction is 52 wins, 52. Wow. Fred? Fred. Um, wow, 52. Um, so a, a couple of weeks ago, I was real jacked up. I was talking about 60 and stuff, but I'm going to, I, I really thought about it. And, and this offense is going to take some time to get going. The defense is going to be there. That should gel quickly. You know, they're going to figure out who's taking the shot at end of games, all that stuff. So I'm going to go with, well, I was going to say 55, but I'm going to, since that's D's number, I'm going to do 56. I'm going to say 56 wins. Okay. Mr. Furman. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I thought I was going to be low at 56. Um, so since Fred took 56, I'll go 55. 56 was my number, but I'll go 55. So we're at least all three different. Chet, I'm, I'm absolutely stunned that you would be at 52. I was thinking you were going to be closer to 62. Yeah, I was probably going to go around 58, but just because of what happened with my other two teams this spring and summer i'm saying 52 and hoping that i'm low let's go all right well fred thanks again for joining us good luck at the game tomorrow night hope you have fun uh six or celtics kicking off the season all right cool check my facebook i'll have my uh my freddy five my five takeaways from the game all right sounds great all right, Fred. Fred. all right hey chip before we get to uh our guest next week let's get our quick spiel about our philly press box radio shirts they're available, great-looking green logo shirts available for sale as per our ad on Facebook. And just like with the red logo shirts we had in the spring, these shirts are available in regular material and dry fit. 15 bucks for the regular, 17 for dry fit. If you need 2XL or 3XL, add 2 bucks more. If you need them shipped, add 7 bucks per shirt, or we'll give you 2 for 10 bucks shipping. Um, see our ad on Facebook. I'll post it again later in the week. And tell us what you want. Keep them in mind. They make a nice gift for your uh, friends this holiday season. Yes, they do. All right, next week, who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio? Next week, Bill, we're going to be back on a regular Wednesday evening schedule. So uh, we were Thursday last week, Tuesday this week. We're back to normal Wednesday evening next week, and we'll be getting our old pal from down in South Carolina off his beach chair, a former longtime Eagles beat reporter who these days writes part-time about the Green Bay Packers when he's not sitting in the sand staring out at the ocean. Mark Eckel makes a return visit to the show. Oh, it'll be interesting. Mark will have some good things to say about the birds, especially if things don't turn around this Sunday. Hey, Chad, parting shot for you tonight? Just a couple of random things. First of all, Bill, our condolences to our pal Tyrone Johnson. We had him on our show just last Thursday, and as it turned out, his mother passed away the following night after a lengthy illness. Uh, Rest in peace, Teresa Johnson, and our thoughts are with Ty and the rest of the Johnson family. Over the weekend, Major League... Major League Baseball announced the passing of umpire Eric Cooper. Not sure of the cause of death, but Cooper, who worked a couple of postseason games just two weeks ago, was only 52 years old. The Philadelphia Union won a playoff game on Sunday, coming from behind to beat the New York Red Bulls 4-3. They're now on to the conference semifinal Thursday evening down in Atlanta. Go Union! World Series is underway this evening. The Astros, the favorites to beat the Nationals. And I'm going to be rooting for Houston, but I have this feeling the Nats are going to somehow win it just because it'll be another dagger in the hearts of Phillies fans. Well, and as a quick follow-up to that, Chet, you know, you have all this offense going on all year long and the long balls and all that. And who's standing at the end? The two teams with the best starting pitching. Isn't it funny how that happens? Yeah, pitching's a good thing. And, Bill, uh, 10 seconds right here. Kate Beckinsale on the live with... Kelly and Ryan Seacrest this morning. Kate Beckinsale had this to say. I think it's important to be nude as much as possible and just to stand in your kitchen eating cheese and being naked. There you go. (laughs) Amen, Kate. I love Kate. By the way, and you had your rest in peace. Rest in peace, Michigan Wolverines. (laughs) Yes, way to go, Penn State. Nice win. Wasn't pretty, but they got the W. They did get it, and uh, unfortunately for those Temple Isles, that uh, they didn't fare too well down there in uh, Dallas against SMU. They did and not. Wrap that, it up, Bill. Yeah, 
we've reached the top of the hour. Let's thank our special guest, D. Lynham, Fred Hugo, our sponsor, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LakeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Razroom, and Dave Boy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chesko, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, October 30th at 7 p.m. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or you can find our podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, and others. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Go Birds, go Sixers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.